guys, and welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. And I'm JJ. And today we've got a very special guest. I'm really excited to welcome Kristen Carter, and that's Carter with a D, not a T, to our podcast. She has her own podcast, uh, which I've been listening to and becoming a big fan of. It's called I Have ADHD. Um, she's an ADHD coach. She's been studying the topic for the last 10 years, helping adults with all of their wonderful ADHD problems that we all know about. Um, and she has her own program called Focus, uh, which helps them kind of organize, structure, uh, cope, and deal. So I'm really excited to have Kristen here. And, uh, you know, I, when I first listened to your podcast, Kristen, I was ready to put on the verbal boxing gloves to defend my title as world's greatest dad for using the term superpower uh, with my kid. So I want to dive into that with you. Uh, I have some questions. Um, but, you know, by the end of that podcast, I was really it really resonated with me because I man, it's true. But we'll talk about that. I want to hear from you first. I want to hear about your life and your family and where you're from and, and what life looked like growing up for you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I love conversations. I love talking about ADHD. I want to do this all day, every day. So, so happy to be here. Um, so you want to hear about all the things? Yeah. Yes. All of the things, please. Let, okay. let, let's so, start with when did you get diagnosed with ADHD? What, what did that I, journey look like for you? I was diagnosed in my early 20s. I think I was about 21 years old. And the journey looked like my dad reading Ned Hallowell's groundbreaking book, um, Driven to Distraction in the 90s. And my dad subsequently getting diagnosed and medicated for ADHD and then nagging me for a couple years um, about my own tendencies and quirks. And, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, you're just like, whatever, dad, you don't know anything. Um, and so it wasn't until I was in college, I was double majoring, I was drowning. Um, I was getting A's and F's, you know, really excelling in some courses and really bombing in others. Um, I was struggling with massive amounts of anxiety, depression. I had some disordered eating happening. It was just like a hot mess express. And so I remember calling my mom and saying like, you know, dad mentioned this thing a while ago, like maybe this is something that we would want to look into. And so I went and got what was a joke of an evaluation it was not was not thorough it was not concise um but it was accurate thank god so i i feel very privileged to be a woman who has a diagnosis early in her 20s that's so rare um and so yeah i went right on a stimulant and it changed my life um obviously pills don't teach skills so there was a lot more learning to happen um that needed to happen but there was a marked difference uh, when I started treating it, for sure. Yeah, I was just talking to um, JJ about this, and because I've I've recently been diagnosed in the last year. I'm oh, 36 yeah. years old, and wow. I started my journey because our seven year old at the time was showing some signs of it, and mm -hmm. uh, we were thinking about getting her evaluated. And I said, you know, God, I think I've always kind of had this too, but my parents were so kind of apprehensive to therapy and medication. So mm. it was never acknowledged or, or looked into, but I always mm. had that in the back of my mind. And the more that we did dive dove into research with my daughter, uh, I was just, man, this really is kind of hitting me. So I wanted to go on that journey myself. And uh, medication was like night and day for me. You know, I know a lot of opinions are out there about whether to take it or not to take it. Um, it's been night and day. For, yeah. for me and just I'm, like you said there you know it's it's skills not pills but which I love that um because there it's it's for me it's both and maybe for somebody it is just the skills it's all right don't worry about it just <laughs> I literally oh it's my husband that's why I was See, like, it's I'm a family show family stuff on, comes all the do time do not disturb what in the world <laughs> how do I make sure that doesn't happen again uh phone mute I don't know phone is already muted Computers oh, on well. do not disturb, but husband gets through. You know what I'm saying? 
it's, it's, why is he is important. Your phone I'm knows. Just That's why. Be like, you alive? <laughs> no problem. Uh, but it, for the last few months here, it's there's it's been hard to get medication uh, for me. The last three months, there's mm. been a shortage, and it's been like a week or two where I haven't been able to get my meds. And I, man, I could feel that. And JJ was just you know kind of razzing me over this last week because I just kept forgetting all this stuff we had scheduled, and I was just like, JJ, I haven't had my pills all week, you know. Like I, 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 how did I live 35 years of my life not able to remember information, you know, mm -hmm. and and operate in those five days that I notice when I don't have it and how my brain operates now that I have experienced what it can do for me. It's just like, wow, you know, so, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to address that because it, it, it can be night and day for some people, maybe not everybody, but it, it definitely wasn't my experience. It's so wonderful. And that's exactly how it should be. And that's what I say all the time is, you know, there's a lot of trepidation around medication, but it is supposed to give you a huge net positive. And if it doesn't, then don't take it. Right. But like for most people, it is like putting on a pair of glasses for the first time or like turning down the volume on like all the things screaming at you. Um, and I, I am so glad that you had that experience. And I feel for people who, you know, try out a bunch of different medications and like nothing feels good to them. And that, that sucks because for me as well, you know, medication has been absolutely life-changing and I wish that everyone had that same experience, but I know everyone is different and, you know, everybody's reacting in different ways to it. So. Yeah. How did that process look for you? Because, mm -hmm. uh, you said that it was kind of off to a rough start and most people that we've had on this podcast, most people with ADHD that I've talked to, uh, the first round never seems to go well. You know, you have to be an advocate for yourself and, or for your kids. And that's definitely been our experience with our daughter. You know, it took us about three different tries before yeah. we got to somebody that was even really kind of willing to take the time to ask deeper questions rather than just maybe a Google search and then say, eh, no, I don't think your kid has it, you know? Yeah. Well, that, so I'm just kind of like curious, what, how did that look like? How many, you know, what were, um, what were the initial bad feelings of the first round and what did you have to do to kind of um, move hmm. forward? Well, I was just going to say that like boils my blood to think about clinicians who are dismissive or just not informed. And I've heard from so many psych, psychiatrists, psychologists saying like, we're not trained in ADHD, especially ADHD for adults. So like, sure, there's like a chapter at most in a book, maybe one class, you know, like one class period on it, but there's, there's not a lot of learning that's happening. Um, and like, I'm so grateful to the clinicians who do their own work and learn about the disorder so that they can help so many patients. Um, for me personally, actually the first round of medication was great. So I went right on Concerta and, um, I didn't notice anything. So it took a couple, um, appointments to like bump up the medication, but I am pretty sure, I mean, this was 20 years ago, but I'm pretty sure the doctor said like, you might not notice anything at first. So just like come back. Um, and yeah, it took like three bumps up of the medication for me to then really notice like, okay, like this is making a very big difference. There was a change though, because um, I went off of medication when I was pregnant and nursing, which now we don't have to do, or at least there's studies that show that it's like totally fine. But at the time I did go off of the medication. And when I went back to be medicated, I went back on the stimulant and my, I don't know, like, I don't know if like hormones changed or what, like maybe aging or something, but um, I did not like being on a stimulant it just felt terrible in my body. I was anxious. I was, um, irritable. I couldn't sleep. I was just like, I, I knew after three days, like I am not doing this. I just, and because I had been on it before and it felt great. And like, this is not how it's supposed to be. So then we tried out, um, a non-stimulant and that's been fine. It's been great. I've, I've really, it actually really calms my body down and has the opposite effect for me in a really good, good way. Yeah, I, for for me as a as a father, you know, who who basically has to speak on behalf of his child, that's been a that's been a trial for us. 
Um, you know, the experience for us was simply we took our kiddo, had a, an hour-long session with a psychiatrist, and the very next session we were talking about medication. And I remember thinking, like, this kind of goes to the idea of, you know, when, when we talk about the the word superpower, like that kind of that kind of just basically uh, takes the individual out of the picture and just puts a single label on them. And that's what I felt like in our experience when we were, mm-hmm. you know, essentially getting a diagnosis. Now, I believe the diagnosis was accurate, but I didn't feel like the individual was really seen in that process. And of course, as the parent of a of a child who is having his ups and downs in school, just going through development, that continues to be a personal challenge for us because we want to best serve our kiddo who's, you know, just honestly, just still just going through development. So the stimulant and we've tried, you know, different dosages and stuff, and we're still on the path of trying to find the most success for him. But it does feel a little bit disconcerting when we go to a, you know, when we go to a practitioner and they just basically say, okay, let's just try another dosage. I'm just like, well, what about my kid in this? You know, I, I, that's where I feel like there's a disconnect a lot of the time. Well, yeah. And JJ, you've, you've had experience too, where, you know, you've walked into therapist's office and and tried to get a counselor or something for a little one. And they say, we don't treat people with ADHD, you know? And it's just like, what does that mean? I thought you, I thought your job was to treat people period. Kristen, you know, we moved here over a year ago and we still don't have a behavioral therapist for our kiddo because the either they're booked, which, uh, you know, is is a high demand thing. I understand that. But then the other thing ha- that we've heard a lot is we don't treat ADHD. Well, how about treating a child who's, you know, trying to develop executive functioning skills? Because that really is what we're after here. We're after the, the child. We're not after the diagnosis. Isn't that discriminatory? Well, it certainly has felt that way, yes. But we're continuing our journey. So. <laughs> it feels extremely discriminatory. And especially as a behavioral therapist, hello, what what are we doing, people? Like this is this gets me so fired up because to think of a therapist saying like, oh, I don't want to work with people with ADHD. They're essentially saying I'm a behavioral therapist who doesn't want to work with someone who has behavioral issues. Like, I prefer to not work with people with behavioral issues. Well, honey, you're a behavioral therapist. You may have gone into the wrong profession. I just, that, that makes me upset. On your behalf, I'm very sorry. Like, I'm upset for you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, One of the nice things that we are currently going through is the IEP evaluation process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and there's a lot of advocates in the school that he goes to. So I feel like we do have support where we, uh, you know, we'd like to see it because school is usually the place where, you know, all your ADHD symptoms are going to come out because, oh, you know, we're at recess, we're having a blast, we're putting our energy out there. Oh, wait, now I'm supposed to sit in a chair (laughs) and do this? Well, how am I supposed to do that? My, My energy's still out there. And uh, so we are working through that process, which I'm grateful for. But yes, unfortunately, it has been a little bit of a battle the other direction. Mm. How old is your kiddo? He's seven and a half. Do you both have seven-year-olds? I have an eight, six, and three-year-old. So I've got three. Oh, my gosh. You are in it. <laughs> We're in it. We're in it. In have it. you worked with, with kids before other than your own and your mm. family experience with, with ADHD? Have you worked in that field with, with children? Yeah. So I worked with kids for quite some time. I owned a learning center in my hometown. Um, and so I worked with kiddos who struggled in school. So many of them had ADHD. And this is actually how I got started in the ADHD field because I would research ADHD in order to help my students. And as I was researching, I was like, wait, what? excuse me, what? And realizing the symptoms, the impairments of the disorder, and how many of them were things that I thought were character flaws in myself. And this was just so eye-opening for me. Um, And I would say also a huge piece of this was um, connection with the parents of the students. So I, I was working with these students, but you know, I'd see the parents, it was a, a very intense program where they would come four days a week. And so I would build, you know, significant relationships with these families. And so many of the parents would say, kind of pull me aside and say like, I know you're working with my kid, but I think I might have ADHD. What do you recommend for me? And 
you know, this is back in 2010 to 2015. I'm like, I don't know. And I didn't even know much, you know, myself. And so I began to research on behalf of these families, just like how, how can I help these families? And as I, as I learned and had such an eye-opening experience for myself, realizing like, wow, this encompasses so much more than I ever knew. And why wasn't I ever told? And why isn't anybody talking about this? And this is right the time that podcasts started coming out. And so that's when I decided to start my podcast just as a means for me to kind of like get it out. I just needed to talk about it. I needed to say something. Yeah, um, same here. I like, that's, that's no one else is, is talking here. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that that's great because um, you know, I had that similar experience when I when I wanted to go get diagnosed. It's like, is adult ADHD even a thing? You know, right. you never it's never talked about. Right. You know, you hear about kids and the, we're just, you know, putting them on medications and well, what happens when those kids grow up? You know, right. they just you, you take them off the medication and just kick them out the door into the real world. What what yeah. does that look like? You know, mm. and so, you know, there are plenty of adults out there with ADHD and a lot of them podcast because it's like, hello, someone <laughs> give me some information out here. You know, <laughs> That's so true. I was just looking at this for an episode that I uh, recorded this week and there is a gap in the diagnosis between children and adults. So there's about 8.7% of children who are diagnosed and only about 5.4% of adults diagnosed. And I think that what's happening right now in our society is that we're working to close that gap where adults are finally um, having so much more information and kind of waking up to like, wait a second, I think I have ADHD. And I think that's why it might seem like, oh, everyone is saying they're diagnosed with ADHD. Like, it seems like a very trendy topic. But I think what's happening is that we have all of this access to information. So many people like you and myself who are podcasting and getting the word out there. And then we're closing that percentage gap of like, it should be equal. You know, the number of children diagnosed and the number of adults diagnosed, there should not be a gap. Um, and so I think what's happening is we're working to close that gap. And it was previously thought of as a childhood disorder. So that does make sense. But like now we know better. So now we got to catch up and get these people who are just walking around thinking they're bad people. We need to get them diagnosed and treated so that they can understand what their strengths are and really understand that their weaknesses are because of a disorder, not because of character flaws. And what does treatment look like? Mm. And what's the difference between, you know, what does treatment look like in children versus adults? Mm. You know, besides the, the medication aspect, is there other mm. means of, of treatment? I like to say treatment because it's an all-encompassing word that the listener can interpret for themselves. And then I don't have to be on the hook for like well, you said this would work or, and it didn't, or like, I don't like that you're saying medication or, right. So I'm always just like, treat it period. But what research shows us is that medication is the best treatment for ADHD. And about 90% of humans are able to tolerate medication and see a positive impact in their lives. About 10% of humans have like an adverse reaction to it, or they just don't notice a difference. It just doesn't work for them. But for the people who are medically treated, the outcomes are so, 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 so much better. So medication, in my opinion, and in science's opinion, is the foundation for treatment. But then, yeah, there's so much more. Um, when people, hmm, how do I want to say this? There is so much more that can go into a treatment plan. The question though is, do you have the executive function to follow through on the other things? And that is why medication is the first line of defense. It's the first step because for most people with ADHD, there's no way we're gonna be able to stick to a regular exercise plan or a, you know, a healthy diet or um, even have the capacity to make a therapy appointment and show up at the right time and the right place, right? And so being able to first have that foundation of medication will usually give us enough, um, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? You're gonna cut this out, right? 
it will give us enough functioning to be able to then take the next step, whatever that might look like. For me personally, I have loved getting out into nature. It soothes my nervous system so much. And so I like to kind of, um, I don't know if there, please let me know if there's any better way to say this, but I kill several birds with one stone. Is there a better, more politically correct way to say that? I don't know, but I, I go for uh, a I hike. like the way that you, you hypothesized it. Okay, great. I'm <laughs> killing lots of birds with one stone. Uh, listen, I misuse and make up words all the time on this podcast. So you'll fit right in here. <laughs> it is so hard to be a podcaster with ADHD because you're just like, I don't know what's going to come out. You just never, never know. Right. So I like to hike. And while I'm hiking, I'm listening to something that I'm enjoying and I'm also like exercising and I'm getting into nature and I, I'm just feeling like so many things are being accomplished right now. Maybe I'm reading, I'm listening to a book or I'm listening to something that fuels my soul. And so for someone with ADHD, whatever treatment plan you choose for yourself, it has to make sense. It has to be fun. It cannot be drudgery. And it has to, um, it has to feel like it's worth it. I think so many of the things that we try to make ourselves do just, it doesn't feel worth it. And so we can do it for a day or a two or three or even a week. And then because we are just not seeing the benefit, or we just are like, this isn't, this doesn't actually matter. Like that influencer said it matters, but like, it doesn't actually matter to me even though I'm telling myself I should do it, um, we always are going to fall off the wagon of things that don't feel like they're worth it to us. What are some of the common pitfalls that you see in a lot of adults untreated with ADHD? Mm. <laughs> it just breaks my heart. I think the, the biggest thing that we see across the board is a gigantic gap between potential and performance. Just a huge gap between someone's potential and what they would be capable of if they had treatment and support, and then where they're actually performing in their day-to-day. And I think that someone with ADHD that has not been treated or someone that's been diagnosed, let's say at age 40, 50, 60, that looks back on their life, there's so much grief because um, with a diagnosis, you know, a later diagnosis and then treatment and seeing how, how different you can be and how much better you can perform, you just look back and you say, my gosh, what would have been different if I had had this treatment and support earlier? And so the biggest pitfall I would say is just like the, the gap between p- potential and performance. But I mean, you know, what the research also shows us is un- treated, meaning unmedicated ADHD can lead to a higher risk of substance misuse, divorce, car accidents, debt, job loss, um, major relationship issues, and um, incarceration. You're dating my, my dating profile. You're reading my dating profile right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've checked out nine of those 10 boxes in yep, my life. Yep, yep. exactly. <laughs> and you just received your diagnosis a year ago, right? And so like, it's almost like, my gosh, how much damage can be done in 30 or 40 or 50 years? A lot. And so then you finally get that diagnosis. And it's like, so many people feel like they're making up for lost time. Like I have so many wrongs to right, so to speak, and I need to make up for lost time. And that's one of the main things that I work on with my later diagnosis clients is like, what really needs to happen is grief. There's just so much grief that needs to be felt because um, like, this is really unfair that you weren't diagnosed. And like, now, you know, but you can't change the past. And so we just have to sit with like the loss of what could have been. Um, But it's never too late. It is never too late to get a diagnosis, to be treated and to make a change. I would encourage a 70 year old, 80 year old, 90 year old. I don't care. Like I wish that my grandmother, you know, would have had the privilege of just knowing like, Oh, I like, I'm not a failure. I have ADHD, even if she didn't choose to treat it. Like when I think about like our, yeah, especially women, but like, I just think that when we think about 
ADHD being hereditary. It's as inheritable as height. So like dad's tall, you're probably going to be tall, right? Dad has ADHD. You're going to probably have ADHD and it works the same way. So like if somebody listening is like, well, my kid has ADHD, but I don't, I would just, I would just maybe look into that. Like, does your partner? Cause one of you, one of you does, right? So let's just look into that. Anyway, thinking about the people in our lives who came before us, who didn't have the privilege of knowing like, oh, you're not a bad person. This is actually something that's different in your brain that can be shaped and worked with. Um, yeah. Again, all the emotions with that. Yeah. One of the, um, episodes of your podcast that I really enjoyed was, was kind of talking about these pitfalls, you know, mm -hmm. and another one was about, you know, how, uh, ADHD is, it shows up as generational trauma for a lot of us, right. As in the sense, like our parents never got diagnosed. They never got these skills. They don't have that frontline defense of, of chemical balance in the brain. So they probably reacted impulsively and without emotional regulation which caused some traumatic events for a lot of children, you know, and then we grow up having those same, uh, you know, uh, displays of behavior. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the episode, you know, you went into the most recent episode you had on your podcast was, you know, stop saying that, you know, ADHD is a superpower. And, and like I said, I went into it like, what is the, what is she talking about? Oh my goodness. We're going to have her on the podcast. I'm going to, Oh, I'm going to tear apart. But the more I listened to that, and then, you know, I went back to your previous episodes to listen to kind of some of the pitfalls. And I just, every time I wanted to, to come back with a, with a boxing right hook of, of defense, I was like, dang, but that, man, I did do that. You know, I have done that in my life. Oh man, that is a pattern in my life. And there aren't a lot of times where I've, I've felt like ADHD is a superpower, you know, like maybe it's a story I tell myself to like, cope with, calm down, be okay with it. But, you know, and sometimes I do feel like that, you know, when, the, when I'm in the very rare, unique circumstance of being able to hyper-focus alone, and there's not three kids running in trying to distract me from that, because, you know, pulling out a hyper-focus is hard, and the, my emotional regulation goes out the window. I'm like, tunnel vision, and if you come, Coley, I need this, or something, I'm like, Grr! you know, like, just growl real quick, you know? <laughs> And I hate that about myself that I can't smoothly transition, which I feel is the superpower of a parent. You need to be able to pivot on a, on a dime's moment. That's what makes a killer parent to me is whatever chaos is going on. You can let your own shit go and just be present with yeah. it, you know? And as I've gone along my parenting journey, I see that those two things conflict, you know, my superpower in my ADHD is my quote unquote hyper focus. Yeah. And my, my, my superpower in my parenting is my presence and my ability to, to kick the hyper focus out the door and, and focus on the now. So I've really seen some of those destructive patterns of impulse control show up in my life mm -hmm. and in my workplace and my relationships and my finances. And, you know, I'm, six years sober now, but, you know, before those six years of sobriety was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a cocaine addiction. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was fueled from my parents' apprehension to medication and not understanding that. And, mm -hmm. you know, cocaine was the only drug that was like, I need to have this, you know, alcohol and, and, and pot and all of these other things were like, uh, oh, you know, I can do without, but the, the, like, the meth connection to the, you know, yeah. the, the dopamine and the, the, the chemical, I, I finally felt like my brain is operating or, or my body and my brain are finally operating at the same speed mm -hmm. where before it felt exhausting that my brain was going through this treadmill on hyperspeed. And my body was just like, I, I can't keep up. I feel exhausted. You've just thought like a thousand things in the last two minutes. Like, and cocaine was something for me that was like, we're operating on all cylinders now. And I was probably a bubbling mess, twitchy and sweaty and talking a mile a minute, you know. But internally, I felt this connection of like, oh, I need this, you know. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of, um, you know, self-work and internal work, refle reflection and grieving, like you say, mm -hmm. of going through that sobriety process and then 
opening myself up and being curious to medicine, right? Because it's like, as, as a recovering addict, I'm like, um, do I want to like, it has meth in the title. Do I want to even like go down that road? You know, like, what is that going to look like? You know, but like talking with a psychiatrist in a controlled environment, having the support groups and the information and tools at my disposal has really helped arm me and really helped me understand my body, my tendencies, my mm-hmm. reactions, and how this thing can help or detriment my progress. So having all of those things like at the forefront and, and aware of those is really been empowering to me. Again, I'm not advocating for or not for medicine. I th- think that there are dangers of it. Again, being being an addict myself, I know that it, you know this is a drug that does have additional properties to it. But I think that if we are open to conversations, research, information, and discussions, it could be a really powerful tool to help combat some of these impulse things that, you know, when you're a kid and you're having ADHD tendencies in the classroom, it's like, well, Billy's just a little hype. He was hyper today. Give him his medicine tomorrow and we'll have a better day. But when you're an adult, it's like you lose a fucking job. You, you get divorced and you lose a marriage and you know, you, you blow through a savings account on an impulse decision. They're big consequences, you know? So it's not only important to coach our kids through that, but especially if you're later in life undiagnosed or untreated or unaware of what's going on. Um, I think it's so valuable to have a coach like you that can really be that support system and help kind of put things into perspective for somebody that is so new to this process and overwhelmed by all the information and scared and unsure. Yeah. I'm so curious to ask you, what was your experience like taking medication? Were there any similarities to how you felt when you were using cocaine? Where where you were kind of like now operating at the same speed. Because I think that's something that people actually do say to describe um, what it's like for them taking ADHD medication. And I'm just curious if, if it felt any, in any way the same. It, it does. It does. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be a little honest that when I, when I first took the medicine and, and I was similar to you where, um, I had, we kind of had to up my dosage like three different times. I was like, I don't I'm not really feeling any different here, you know? Yeah. And it took like three months before we were able to, wow, I'm, I feel really like, God, I haven't gotten up and walked, did my pacing for 15 minutes in the middle yeah. of this project, you know, or, or gone on Google for half an hour and burned my day, you know? So, but I did feel those similarities. And it was, again, a conversation that I had to check in with myself and say, you know, like, hmm, you, to be aware of this, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, but again, you know, in a controlled pill form, um, feels a lot safer to me than something 100%. that you, you, you stick a key into and, Yeah. And I think the whole point is that, um, you know, when we are treated properly, medically treated for ADHD, there is not then the need to go out and seek out something else to make us feel aligned, (laughs) to make us feel like we're operating at the same speed, you know, brain and body. And um, I'm... 99% positive that there is research to show that while there are addictive properties to stimulant medication, it's actually not addictive for people who have ADHD. Because that's the whole point is that people who have ADHD actually need it to feel balanced. People who don't have ADHD, yeah, don't be don't be snorting it. (laughs) It's not smart. Don't let's not crush up the Adderall. That's not a good idea. Um, but people who do have ADHD, it's actually going to lower our desire, our need, the the compelling nature of like, I need something else outside of me to make me feel better because the ADHD yeah. medication is then it's stabilizing us internally. I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you shared that. Um, well, yeah, I, I listened, one of your podcasts was about, um, you know, uh, overuse of pot and and the connection with adhd and i found that interesting too and and a lot of the stuff that your guest was talking about there about 
you know, the need for escapism, um, yeah. you know, and the need of like to, to escape the discomfort yeah. of like that exhaustion that I described earlier of like, God, my brain is so many things, but my body just feels like it can't keep up. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that disconnect is really tiresome, you know, and yes. you, you do want to escape that. And, yeah. and pot is a way of like, well, if I can't bring the body up, I'll bring the brain down, you know, and it, that, that's, that escapes. It's that it's a balancing out, mm -hmm. you know, and when I went through my sobriety journey, you know, uh, it, they say that, you know, your, your problem isn't that you like drugs. Your problem is that you don't like being sober. You know, you yes. have a, you have a oh hard time sitting with yourself yeah. and your experience. How do we work through that? That's the issue. It's not stay away from the cocaine because cocaine is always going to fucking show up, right? right. Like someone's right. always going to be in a bathroom or somewhat, you know, yeah. it's at some point it's, it'll come into your life again and you can't avoid it. It's out there in the world. Just because you're not doing the drug doesn't mean that that drug doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. So you have to be okay with who you are and the sobriety and those challenging situations. You know, so at first that became like a um, addiction to me was like, all right, sobriety is the, the thing I'm addicted to. Like, we got to go as an ADHD person. We're going full in, you know, and I love it. I'm addicted to it. You know, just like meditation, journaling, whatever I can do to just like grow, <laughs> you know, and, and thank God I did, because if you're going to be addicted to something, why not self growth, you know? <laughs> But, uh, you know, like you said, when I, when, when everything is balanced, it, it, it cuts out the need for like the, I need to escape this yep. terrible feeling, you know, it's, I'm, things are good. I feel great. Let's do yep. what I needs to be done next. And, you know, so. Yeah. And I think that this circles back beautifully to the childhood trauma conversation, because, um, when I do see in myself, um, and clients who are being medically treated for ADHD, when there's still that desire for something outside of myself, that that's when I need to look at like, what's, what happened to me that is making it hard for me to even like sit with these emotions now. And, um, and I, I think that, you know, as, as we learn more about trauma and its impact on ADHD, I I'm so excited about the conversations that are happening now. And I don't know if you saw Dr. Barkley put out a video recently on YouTube, like quote unquote, debunking Gabor Mate's um, claims that uh, ADHD is all caused by trauma. And I just love it. First of all, I love a good duel, right? Like who doesn't love a sword fight? It's great. And then also, I just love that we're having these conversations. I am thinking that the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Is it nature? Is it nurture? It's probably both. That's my assumption. But I just love that we're having these conversations about trauma and its impact on, on the brain and its impact on like generations and families and how we can just kind of like point to things in our own families. And, and I think that as we are learning more about um, what's appropriate behavior, even in families, like what was, what was appropriate 30 years ago, even is not seen as appropriate now, you know, and then even like 60 years ago. And so being able to have these conversations and kind of like revamp how we're treating people and humans and kids, like, I just love all of it. I think it's, I think it is just a really wonderful time to be alive. That's what I think. It's a great time to be alive. Well, I want to hear about the superpower thing mm. because, uh, I tried explaining it to my wife. She did not get it. She, oh. she was, uh, <laughs> she, she was very defensive about <laughs> it. And I think a lot of people, maybe they hear that, uh, maybe will be. Cause honestly, yeah. I think you're the first person that I've heard say that every textbook I... and podcast <laughs> that I've listened to is telling me, you know, eight, turn ADHD into a superpower. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I do, I do have a quick thought on that too. And I think the reason is because a lot of us, you know, like, we know somebody or we ourselves have, you know, a diagnosis and then that becomes a very personal thing for us. And we want to, we want to find the good in, in the people we love and of course ourselves as well. So, uh, we'll take, for example, I know you mentioned the Holderness family, uh, Penn and his wife, they were on the amazing race. And he specifically said, it's like a superpower. And when you hear somebody say that and you see them finding success, you're like, Oh, my kiddo has ADHD. 
you know, what's, what's, what's going on with him that's really waiting to come out and show its, its success and strength. So what, what I, what I equate that to is we are trying to put a blanket statement on somebody because we are not quite familiar yet, but we have so much empathy for and love for this person that it's easy to say, okay, there's something within them because they share this similarity with somebody else. I'm waiting for that to really show itself. And then when it's going to show itself, it's going to be, it's going to just take off. It's going to be brilliant. And I'm, I'm so excited to cheer for that. Or maybe they're cheering for that now. And instead of saying, you know, they're a great artist, they're saying they have a superpower, you know, they, they have ADHD and their superpower is taken off and stuff. So I think that's kind of where that gets a little bit muddied. Um, and I appreciate people getting on board with their, their, their loved ones and really trying to help them succeed in life. And maybe it's just the way we word it, the way we talk about it is a little bit in a, a way of misdirection mm. and getting back on point of talking. Like, I love talking about the individual. What is so great about this person? Yes. What is so great about every, cause you know, everybody who has a, you know, if we all get diagnosed with the same thing, we're still individuals walking through this life, expressing our individuality. And that's what I love to promote. So that's, I think that's kind of where I come at with it. Mm. And the idea of the superpower to me is a way to essentially I don't know, maybe bridge the gap because I'm still trying to develop my empathy and full understanding of my, my seven and a half year old who, by the way, yesterday, uh, his mom forgot to give him his medication. He had a rough day. Uh, his aftercare teacher said, yeah, he was a little wired all day. And, uh, <laughs> and then he tells me like, I didn't have my medicine today. So he was, he was already identifying in himself something that basically suggested, you know, the parts of me that are struggling were amplified today because I didn't get my medication. So my superpower didn't come out in the way it needed to come out in this environment. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this journey of self-discovery that takes place. And sometimes it feels good for people to say, okay, I have this. This is a way for me to move forward with some confidence, or this is a way for me to move forward because I'm not quite sure right now. And I need some comfort in the process. Mm. I think you put that so beautifully. And I, I completely agree with you. I think that that is, I think that the superpower conversation is very, very well-intentioned. It's very well-intentioned. And I am on board with good intentions. I love it. Like, let's always celebrate good intentions. That's a, gr that's a very good thing. Um, yeah, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Let's also okay. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing some reality into this conversation. I appreciate it. Um, okay. I have so many things that I want to say. Um, did you watch that episode of the amazing race with uh, Penn and Kim? And he's when he was talking about his ADHD. And I did. Okay. Yeah. I, we just watched it recently. So my husband and I have been binge watching survivor and the amazing race alternating Ooh, I love both those shows. between the two. Oh, JJ it's wants so to get fun. on survivor. It is so great. Um, and I was enraged when he was talking about ADHD as his superpower. And here is why, um, for the listener who has not seen the show, uh, they were doing a challenge and he was having to remember, um, yep. He was having to like, listen and then listen to somebody talk and then remember things from that. An ADHDer's uh, like, worst nightmare. Thank you. Thank you. And that is exactly my point. So the skill that he was using was nonverbal working memory, right? And then also auditory processing. Those are two things that are often very deficient for people with ADHD. Now, of course, it's a spectrum and all of us are going to have different strengths and different weaknesses. But in general, uh, working memory and nonverbal working memory specifically, which is your ability to picture something in your mind's eye. And he said specifically, I can picture things in my, in my mind because I have ADHD. No, 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 no. Actually, most people with ADHD struggle to picture anything in their mind's eye. So this is where it just gets dicey for me because somebody who's very famous on a show that's watched by millions is actually giving misinformation. And then exactly what you said, JJ, where people are looking and saying, well, I can't do that. So it, what does that mean about me? What does that mean about my ADHD? Why, how come Penn is succeeding and I'm not succeeding? What's going on? If ADHD is a superpower and that is the similarity between Penn and myself, why isn't it treating me the way that it's treating Penn? Why, why are we so different? And so what I want to say is every 
human has superpowers, every single human. And our job as if, we, if we're talking about parents, our job is to look at our kiddos and say, what are my kids' strengths? What what can I see in them and encourage? What can I call out in them and say, look at what you just did. That was amazing. I've never seen anybody do it that way. I have one kiddo, my youngest. Um, he feels emotions so deeply. And I will say to him, you have an incredible gift to feel deep emotions. And we'll talk about that. Like it's incredible that you do this better than anyone else that I know. He feels other people's pain. If someone else is sad, he starts crying and he hates it about himself because it's hard. It makes his life hard, but that is a beautiful gift, right? And so it's my job to see the gift and then to help him to shape it and use it and not become a doormat someday because he's feeling everyone's emotions. And we're going to work on that. But the point is each individual has gifts and superpowers. Why do we have to delegate the goodness about someone to a diagnosis of ADHD? Why do I have to say, oh, it's ADHD that is a superpower? Oh, you, you're cool because you have ADHD or you're, you're creative because you have, no, you're creative because you're creative and that's awesome. But yeah. it's not, I, I always say like, don't delegate your badassery to ADHD. Don't give it credit for like how amazing you are. You take credit for it. You're amazing. Like take credit for that. You got me fired up on this whole episode. I'm not usually. Well, well, I like it. Yeah. You're, you. you're, you're bouncing <laughs> in your seat there. <laughs> My, I guess one thing that I would just challenge anybody who might have a mindset that way is to say, okay, describe your child. And if they came back to you and says, my, my child has ADHD, so they are awesome, you'd be like, um, doesn't sound like a parent who's really showing a lot of love and attention to detail of, of what their kid is all about and who their kid really is. Yes. And don't we all want to be seen for the things that make us an individual and the things that um, we care about and the things that like our quirks and our, just like all of the little things. So if, if we can look at our kids and see them, I see you, I see what you're doing there. That's so cool. Or even, even though you're messing this up and this is like a total shit show, I still see that you had good intentions, right? Like you're bouncing off the walls, but I see that you're trying to do a good thing here. Like you made a whole mess of the kitchen, but I can see that you, like you just wanted to make breakfast. That's great. Great job. Let's, uh, let's tweak how we're going to do that next time. Right. I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that we have good intentions with really wanting to make sure that our kids don't feel stigmatized, really wanting to make sure that our kids don't feel like defeated or that there's not a hope or a future for them. And I think that as parents, what we can give them is the gift of validation. I know that you are struggling and I know exactly why, and it's not your fault. I know that this is hard for you and I know exactly why, and it's not your fault. It's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because your brain is working differently. And so we're going to help you with that. But what we're, <clears throat> what we're not going to do is say, don't be sad about having ADHD. ADHD is a superpower. Like I am totally fine with being like, yeah, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? Like we're going to take care of you, but it, it does make life harder. Um, I think the point though is holding the space for this is hard and I am willing to be here with you in your pain. You're allowed to feel upset. You're allowed to feel pain and I'm going to be here with you and I'm going to support you and make it easier for you. So I have a plan. Don't worry. I'm the parent. I've got a plan. And we're going to make sure that your gifts and all of the amazing things about you are able to be seen because we're not going to let ADHD stand in the way of any of it. Mm. I love that. I, I totally agree um, with, with all of that. And, you know, when I, like I said, I was pretty defensive when I f first heard you say that, but the more I listen to it, I, I, I really do think that you're right. And, you know, sometimes we, uh, 
as good intentioned as it may be as parents, we want to fix, we don't want our mm -hmm. ch children to hurt or, or be sad, or especially for something that is out of their control. That's uh, mm -hmm. uh, an imbalance in their brain. You know, um, yeah. we don't want to shame them for that. So you just want to jump in there and say, Oh no, it's good. It's good. You know, rather than like, <laughs> you know, um, and when I, when I first started using that, it was really early into our diagnosis with with my little one and my little one we've gone more away from an adhd diagnosis and more mm. towards an autism that displays yeah. itself as adhd and odd mm. which oppositional defiance she's very lawyer Fun. mentality very the first two no words out of her mouth when you tell her something are no but you know Oh, I love and, it. And uh, so it, we, Super you know, kiddo to parents. Super yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but she's very good at drawing and her teachers have known even before the evaluation, just let Naomi draw. She retains mm. way more information if you give her a coloring book and she can just get in there. And when you do ask her, she pops right up. She knows the answer. She yeah. leads her class straight A's. You know, she's very, very smart, you know, but if you take the coloring book away, Forget it's about disruption, it. it's fidgeting, it's, you know, not listening, it's mm -hmm. all over the place. So, you know, when we're like, what is ADHD? And she's kind of battling with that. Is this good? Is this bad? You know, is it hurting me? Are people gonna make fun of me for it? Mm -hmm. We're trying to spin it positively. Like, no, you're look how creative that's your superpower with it is mm -hmm. you're so creative with it. And as we've both gone on this journey over the last year and a half, I've noticed some things about myself that you know, my superpowers are also my kryptonites, you know, in one situation, my superpower is great. And in another situation, it kind of inhibits me and it can mm -hmm. be disruptive to my to my brain. And I noticed that with my daughter a lot. Her thing is that no, but she's, you know, if she thinks you're wrong, she'll tell you, you know, yeah. no, but you're, you know, <laughs> but I know this and uh, people, you know what? What person likes that in a friend, you know, you don't want to be told you're wrong all the time. So she struggles a lot with it. And she doesn't understand the more that we try to get her to, you know, well, about empathy is a very big thing in our household. Getting her to understand that is very difficult for a, yeah. a neurodivergent child with autism, you know? Yeah. Um, so we have to be delicate about that. Um, and, but I think that this is also something that will serve her great in life if she can learn how to use this and harness yeah. this. When she's an adult, I, I ain't gonna worry about this kid getting stepped on or taken advantage by any man or corporation or anybody. Okay. She ain't gonna let it happen. She is yeah. strong and she is independent and she ain't gonna take no shit. And that'll be a very big superpower of hers. But, mm. you know, especially during this time in development and what I also can relate to this and my, you know, uh, 20s, I was a mess of not understanding myself or existentialism or where I fit in or what my behaviors really said about me and, and who I wanted to be out internally versus what I was projecting externally. Yeah. All that was a mess because I didn't have anybody to kind of help me understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really like our job as parents. So I'm like, I want to push back in a way of like saying that like you're absolutely right adhd is not a superpower it's hard it's difficult and you know it has its own set of challenges but i think that if we can be proactive in our approach to understanding that and strategizing on how to structure that and organize that that it is a superpower in the sense mm. that our brains work differently we are different mm. we are a, the unique population that gets to operate in our chemical imbalance to see the world differently. <laughs> and I think that that is a superpower as much as it is a detriment and obstacle mm. to get around. You know, yeah. it just depends on what life skills we have to look at it in what way. Mm. Is, it, mm. is this something that can harm us and is gonna be detrimental or is this something that can, is all good all the time? No, it's in the middle and it's where mm. you're at and how, how can you recognize these traits about yourself in those moments to say, oh shoot, I'm doing that ADHD thing again or I'm done, mm. I did that again, we gotta bolt. What do I know about this? You know, what do I know about myself? What, do I, what are some strategies I know? But if you don't have that, God, you're just gonna make a mess of it. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I I will be the first person to say that people with ADHD can do 
amazing things. And we see that all over the place, which I think is partially why people um, do kind of um, put forth the superpower. Wow. Words. Hard. Words are real hard right now. I think that because we can see so many people in the media, in, you know, celebrities and in tech and all of those spaces and say like, well, look, look at what they can do. And I think that the, I think that the point is, um, when we have the privilege of a diagnosis and the immense privilege of being able to treat it, and then even more privilege of having, um, money and time and access to support from, you know, maybe an assistant. Like my life has changed because I get to work with assistants now. Like, hello, I don't have to do any of the stupid crap that I never wanted to do. So like, I look like a superwoman. If I didn't have those supports though, um, it would be real bad, right? So like when we have the ability to treat it, to support it, and to lean on others, and especially when we're in safe relationships with people who are accepting of us and who are loving and who are just like, think we're adorable because we, I just, I put the eggs in the pantry this morning and I just like walked him over. My husband was getting ready and I walked out of the pantry with the eggs and I was like, well, those don't go in there. And he's just like, ah, you're so cute. Like when, when we're not being, I just put the olive oil in the fridge the other day. So I (laughs) (laughs) am right there with you. (laughs) It's so relatable. You're just like eggs in the pantry. I'm like, oh, those don't go in there. But when you're living with someone who is going to demean you for that, then that's detrimental. But if you're living with somebody who's like, you're so cute, then that's, that's great. Right. And so I think it just really depends on how much privilege and access and, um, how safe our relationships are. And, and when we have all of that, like, it's like the power rangers, like with our powers combined, like, yeah. Oh, am I too old? You guys power rangers? No, (laughs) please. I'm right there with you. All right. Mighty Morphin power rangers. Come on. Are you sure? I, I I do all of them. I was like, oh, I am sensing dead all the no, 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 I had all the trans- so maybe transformable was- toys and okay, yeah. my teenage Ninja turtles yeah. Yeah. i love it oh i really want to create like some sort of gif or meme around like the power rangers because truly like that's when you can say like great yeah. like it's all come together but for the majority of the world that's not that's not the case. And so that's where my heart breaks is like telling someone who doesn't have access to all the things, who's maybe living in an abusive family, um, like, no, your ADHD is awesome. It's like, no, it's really, I think we just have to take into consideration, but like, yeah, can we do amazing things? Yeah. You guys are proof of that. I feel like I'm proof of that. Um, but it, it sure does take some work, doesn't it? Yes, it does. (laughs) This has been a great conversation, Kristen. Thank you so much for doing this. It was my pleasure. I love it. Before we go, um, can you let our listeners know where they can find you or or reach out to you? Or if you've got anything exciting coming up, let us know about it. Sure. Um, You can listen to my free podcast, the I Have ADHD podcast. And I... Um, I have a coaching program called Focused, and you can visit my website, I Have ADHD, to learn more about that. And I hang out on Instagram at I Have ADHD Podcast. I just started a TikTok, um, but I am way behind the times. I'm just like an old grandma on TikTok right now. Um, hey, when I saw that you got I Have ADHD.com, I'm in digital marketing. I thought, oh, wow. She was on top of it. So trust me, you are doing all right. (laughs) Thank you so much. There are just a few people who have said the same thing. And it always like warms my heart because, you know, 2018 me who was like, I think that I should buy this web domain. I think it costs like $2,500. Like it was way more money than I, I didn't just like have it lying around, but I was like, I think this is worth putting on a credit card. And I did. And I was so glad I did. It was a really good decision. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. (laughs) Well, not to worry, guys. We'll have all that information in the show notes for you. So you can check out Kristen's stuff or or reach out to her or check out Focused if you're interested in that program, Um, which sounds awesome, man. I I might be one of your clients, honestly. It sounds pretty cool. Because I was honestly one of the first questions when I got my diagnosis was like, Mm. okay, well, what now? 
Like I'm, yes. I'm going to go fill the prescription, but like, Oh, yeah. do I like, you know, get an occupational behavioral therapist? Like right. my daughter is recommended to, or like, right. what, what does that look like as an adult? Mm. So, you know, I'm really, um, I'm glad that, that you and, and JJ and I, and the other coaches out there, um, mm. that, that do this work because honestly, it's been one of the most life-changing things in me, you know, to invest yeah. in myself. Um, and the return on it has been great emotionally, behaviorally, <laughs> you know, in my, my relationships and, and my job. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you're on the fence about it, you know, uh, hit up Kristen, check out mm -hmm. the ADH dads, get with it. Cause it, it. it is worth it guys. Really? Like you, you have to have the dedication and, and, and passion and want to, to help yourself. Um, yeah. and if you don't have this great, you know, um, Megatron power ranger mashup, <laughs> support system that we're talking about here in the first place that you should start with is yourself you know and mm -hmm. the other pieces will fall into place i promise you throughout that journey i knew nothing and now i feel like i have an unbelievable network of support that i can fall back on that i can lean on that i can ask questions to and without that um my life would probably still be a mess so thank you for doing what you do christian Kristen. i really uh, appreciate you coming on here Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening and we hope to have you back next week. Uh, we'll see you next time. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And this is Kristen. Say it. See Wait, we haven't, had a, we haven't had a guest do their own outro. I Let's do it. it. I, like, I know you did. I, I felt bad. I stepped on your shoes. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. This is the ADH Dads. I'm CJ. I'm JJ. And I'm Kristen Carter. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Bye.